for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And this afternoon, we're here to discuss the third episode of the second season of NBC's This Is Us. This one is called Deja Vu. An aptly named show, as I feel that everything that happens with the Pearsons seem to be very cyclical. It's like Groundhog Day for some of the characters. It's not that overt. You're re- reliving the same exact day, but you know, reliving the same pattern kind kind of feel for sure. Absolutely. So we are going to start off with the flashbacks this episode. We always have a couple of flashbacks sprinkled through all of the episodes, but this time we're going to kind of clump them up together and we're going to start with Jack and Rebecca. Jack is off at AA and he says it's been three weeks since he has started his trying to get sober journey. How did you feel about his speech and everything he was talking about trying to be a man and trying to sort of get over keeping everything to himself and be willing to be more sensitive? Highly relatable, even though, as he can, as you can tell by the mention of my so-called life, that this is smack dab in the middle of the 90s when this is taking place. There's a lot that he's going through that I could I could identify with as a, a guy a roughly his same age in modern time. So the expectations of men and husbands and all that kind of stuff continue to need to change, but we're changing kind of slowly, I think, because I feel the same way that he does. Just it's hard to talk. I don't know what to say, <laughs> you know? No. No, I, I know it's shocking for you to, to hear me say that. But yeah, I, I would feel the same way in his shoes. I felt like when he brought up the whole concept of needing to wallow in that old bad time in order to get through it, just like sitting in your bad times in order to sort of process it and get through it feels very relatable, no matter if you're a man or a woman. I feel like there's been times in our lives that decisions have been made and I have to go back and say like, you know, was I fully in that decision or was I kind of checked out and decisions were being made around me? And then going back, it's like, okay, no, I do have to kind of like sit in what exactly was happening. It's a really difficult process. It's very therapeutic, but hard. I think that's why AA builds it into their program is that they're not letting anyone skate with just happy feelings and everything will be better. Don't worry about it. I think part of the program is, no, you done fucked up. Now you're going to deal with that and you're not allowed to move on until you have. And to be fair, it's not necessarily that the individual has done all the thing. There's lots of things that have been painful in Jack's life, like his father, things with Vietnam, you know, things with his, his life that, you know, he would do differently. But you know, the circumstances were what they were. And he has to not just hightail it out of there and sort of be like, well, I've left the past behind, but be like, how did I deal with all of that? And did I, did I, am I just suppressing my feelings through alcohol at this point? Because it's like those things don't go away. They keep cropping back up. And so to say like, I don't want to think about them again, it's like, well, you kind of already are. And that's why you're drinking. Mm. So you never can really avoid it. You can't just say, well, I don't want to think about my dad anymore. No, you kind of are. Which echoes later into the show. It's the very last scene of the show Mm -hmm. uh, pulls in that exact feeling. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about how Rebecca's dealing with Jack and and this AA journey. Well, apparently she's withholding sex. (laughs) 
No, that's not it. I don't know. How is she? She, well, I mean, there, doing, there's a I, lack of sex. I think doing what everybody does, which is talk it out with friends and try to figure it out. I think this was a good juxtaposition to how Jack was saying, it's so hard for me to talk to anybody. And then they flash over to Rebecca and what is she doing? Talking, talking it out with her friend, trying to, you know, answer questions, ask questions and sort it all out. And when Shelly was like, that was the beginning of the end for me and Miguel, I had totally forgotten that that was Miguel's wife. Honestly, I didn't recognize her at all. I just thought it was like a friend. And so I was like, oh, my God. Like now Rebecca's having lunch with Shelly. That just makes the whole Miguel thing feel even grosser to me. Yeah, I bet they're not still friends in the. <laughs> I wonder what happened. I mean, I'm really looking forward to finding out how in the world did all of that suss out, you know? Yeah. So what did you think about Shelly's advice? That I know you're all focused on the sex, but I understood what they were trying to say and that it was just that they didn't have any time that they felt like they were being actually close with one another. You know, according to Rebecca, they just like said hello, kissed goodnight. That was it. So that didn't seem in any way like withholding sex. That just seemed like we're just like not even on the same page. Like he's sitting down at the kitchen table, you know? Right, right. I I, I was saying that in jest um, mm. because, you know, when when they did get around to the physical part of their date in the car, Jack was the one to say, I am not ready for this. <laughs> so clearly Jack has his own emotional baggage feeding into the lack of physicality, you know, between them. What did you think about the fact that Rebecca tried to Jack Pearson him and sweep him off his feet? Hot shit, man. That's, uh, that should have got the motor running and it, and it did, it did in the right way where he couldn't, it wasn't the exact outcome that she had predicted, but it was what needed to happen to, to actually bring them closer, which was the big outcome, right? Bring them closer than, than they were getting doing what they were doing. I thought that the part where he was like, you know, finally starting to open up and, you know, he told her that he had asked his dad for money for the house and how, you there know, there are other secrets waiting, but he's not ready to say them yet. Yeah. How do you think that would have gone for us? Like if I do you think I would have said something like, you know what, just when you're ready, you can just tell me whatever you'd like to tell me. No, you'd have you'd have re responded with something like, I'll go get the coffee. And, and a notebook and a pen. Yeah, I would have definitely been like a dog with a bone on that. I'd have been like, what other things do tell? <laughs> For certainty. I, I admit that patience is not one of my strong suits, so I would not be able to do that. But I do, you know, applaud that they did that. The thing that really was like a knife in my heart was that, you know, they don't have any more time. Like, you know, he's going to die very soon. So whatever else he hasn't told her is going to go with him. Which feels so painful because we may not get as much of the of the backstory of Jack that we really want, at least not in a way of telling Rebecca. Rebecca won't know as a character. We may get those flashbacks, hopefully, so that we get a little bit more of the story, but Rebecca won't have known them. I know that this season is still very young. This is just three episodes in, and I haven't seen a whole lot of first season yet. So I thought part of the charm of the first season was that they would pull flashbacks in from whatever time period made sense with the current day timeline. They do. Okay. So in the second season though, they seem to be sticking with those teenaged, roughly the same age as that flash forward to the night of the fire kids. Yeah. I think that it's right now we're in this really focused section of their lives of when Jack died. 
So I think everything that's happening right now is culminating in that. So they're not going to show you when they were five years old. They're they're really, it seems like they're just like building the suspense and building the pressure around like, here's one more little thing. Like, here's how they got the dog. You know, it was eating the burgers that happened because Rebecca took them out on a date, you know, and it, and it's just like, it's, it's just building towards that one particular moment. And then I think it's going to back off again. And I think we're going to start getting a lot more, like you said, widespread flashbacks. And I think flashbacks maybe from other points of view, like those things might have looked a certain way from Jack's point of view or from the kid's point of view. But what if it's Rebecca having that flashback? What might that look like? Do you get the sense that Rebecca is actually what I'll call a POV character in this in this show? To be honest with you, I mean, none of them are. It, it, we're sort of like the omnipresent viewer, right? Yeah. Because none of them are exactly from anybody's point of view because sometimes they try, like you can tell there's a lot of stuff that from season one where I felt like we were getting William's point of view uh-huh. and, um, and they had shown the same scenes, but it would have been from Jack's point of view. So like the hospital stuff, like there was a point where William was standing outside the hospital. That would have been the same point when Jack was like inside the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, like timing wise, it was there. So you saw it, but you were still only just this outside. It wasn't ever really through someone's eyes, if that makes sense. Okay. So I don't know if these flashbacks are being completely colored in the way that I'm expressing them, but I just think maybe they would pick up other details if you were sort of experiencing them through someone else. Like when we're when we're talking about, um, let's get into Randall's flashback. When we're talking about Randall's flashback, the stuff that, how he's feeling, really the teen Randall is expressing a lot of his feelings. Whereas like we don't really know what Kevin and Kate were thinking about this experience. So in that way, it is sort of his point of view because you're getting a lot of his feelings into the, fa- to the flashback. Kevin is very much a you know, vapid teenage guy, you know, just super shallow. And we're probably not, he's probably not thinking a lot about what he's doing. Well, the fact that they were all walking together, I did actually have a moment and think, well, Kevin did walk with them together. That he was wasn't cool. off with like his athlete friends. He didn't ditch his, his, Mm-mm. his brother when we know that he kind of feels weird about his brother a lot of the times, but when push came to shove, he was there. He was, and they went with him and they checked back up on him together. So I, I agree with you that for the most part, Kevin is a difficult character for me in terms of like, I just don't know exactly how he fits in, but I think we're going to find more about that as we're kind of getting into Jack's death, because there's clearly something going on here with that that I think is going to tell us why he acts the way he does. Well, I mean, that tiny second that we get of Kate seeing him asleep in the car, mm-hmm. clearly from the night of the event. Um, if you were having premarital sex with your your boyfriend slash girlfriend on the night your dad dies, yeah, you probably would have some additional scarring than someone that had just been at home doing their homework. Or, Absolutely. Or and I think I'm wondering how much it's going to be about like we couldn't find Kevin and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. I think there's going to that it will have added to the tension of that night because they won't have been able to find him because clearly it was morning. Yeah. And it looked to be night when Kate was saying, we've got to go find Kevin. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, how many hours were they looking for him? You know, right. that would have created a whole nother issue. Let's talk about Randall a little bit. So that night when Jack was downstairs writing at the table, I thought it was awesome 
that Randall, uh, you know, was upstairs in a parallel universe writing his own letter. Obviously, he knew that he was adopted from day one, right? There was never any confusion about that, I'm sure. So as he grew, it looks like he is needing to know more about where he came from. And he always was. Like the little part that they showed that flash where he was rolling his tongue. He had read this statistic that only like a certain percentage of people can roll their tongue. Yeah. And that it's genetic. And so he was going around to any black couples in the grocery store rolling his tongue and saying, can you do this? To try to narrow down who could possibly be his parents. And he was little. He's probably only like six or seven in that. So he's, he's always had, like he describes this sort of like noise in his ears of like, who, where do you belong? Who do you belong to? And it's only there's times when it gets quieter, but it's always still there. I thought that was a really nice way for him to explain it to Kate and Kevin. Oh yeah. And I mean, it made a whole lot of sense. I've seen compulsion described lots of ways and that way worked as well as any of them. Do hope that he did learn something out of this experience though. You just can't go fishing for, for people like that and not, and not have planned a little better than he did. It was good that his brother and sister were there, but he didn't plan on them being there. That's true. And something way worse could have happened. I mean, thankfully, it was just this drugged out woman. She could have shown up with some guys. Yeah. And it could have been a whole, whole lot worse. I, I felt terrible for him. I'm so thankful that he caught it as quickly as he did and got up and left and didn't in any way. I mean, I recognize that she was a white woman. I know a very you think it's white, woman. very funny about that, which of course, yes. But at the same time, he recognized that she was looking for money, that this was totally fake right away. I mean, it was heartbreaking. I can't really imagine how excited he must have been to think he had gotten this letter. And she did a pretty decent job of being like, you must be a teen now and blah, blah, blah. Like, Ouch, you know, I mean, he really got his hopes up. Crushing, but, and and I guess it should maybe part of the process. If you are adopted and needing to know more, it's just a painful part of that, that process that you stuck going through. I think that it's such a vulnerable place to be all the time because you wouldn't know why the person necessarily needed to adopt you out to another family and then you know is it a plus to find these people or are these people going to reject you or or going to be bad people in some way there's so many question marks that you would have that i can only imagine that it would be such a sore part of your heart even when you have this very loving family and you know a good life it would just be these unanswered questions now in the in the history of the show that you've seen does he ever ask Jack and Rebecca anything about his parents? The way that it was handled so far that I can recall, I don't remember that they told him anything more than just that he was at the hospital, that he was brought into the hospital. Jack seems like the kind of guy that would be like, okay, let's go see what we can find out. You know, the only thing that Jack knew the whole time was that uh, the baby had been left at the fire station and a firefighter brought the baby into the hospital. And that's what Jack knew. That's what the firefighter told him directly. Right. I understand. But there's still. But the worst is that Rebecca knew from day one. She saw William across the street and she knew this whole time where William was. That's how Randall got his name. She went and talked to William and they were going to call him Kyle and even had called him Kyle for a couple of days. And she went and talked to William and William had said Randall was the name of a poet that he so loved. And that's what he was thinking of calling him. And that's why she changed his name to Randall. So the ouch of the first season is that Rebecca knew 
where his parents were the whole time. And so, no, no mm. one's going to go searching. So it was an act of, do you think it was protection or selfishness then? That's a really big question. And it's something that dangles out there about like, what do you think? Was Rebecca being protective or was she, you know, clearly saying she didn't want anyone to take her baby. And so she lied about it. It's weird. Like the old Rebecca seems, at least in the little bit that I've seen this season, she's just you know, she's okay, but she's still kind of petty and, and I'm sure she has her fine points too, but I don't know. She doesn't seem like a lot of fun to hang out with. I could totally tell last, last discussion you and I had about this. You weren't so anti-Rebecca. You were like, well, Kate was kind of being a jerk and they kind of yelled at each other and stuff like that. But now you just know what I just told you that she knew about Randall and I can see in your face, I'm looking at you and you're like, you know what, Rebecca's kind of a jerk. Well, I'm, you know? I'm just trying to reconcile that because young Rebecca doesn't come out just exactly the same, like kind of wounded, petty, Well, why bitter... though? Why is she wounded and petty? And that's well, what, that's part of the story right now. I think is... it's because she's very pretty. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I think that. No, I think it has to do with Jack's death. I think that she was mortally wounded she may be still on this earth but she i don't think she's think the she's same like person hollowed out yeah i think rebecca the rebecca that we knew with rebecca and jack died with jack mm. and i think the woman that we see now with miguel i mean th it makes no sense that she would be with miguel they they do not seem compatible from anything we've seen about miguel so it's like i mean he's a nice guy he's fine but i mean he's not this smart, charismatic, you know, guy that Jack was. And it just seems like, you know, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like you got to, we have to find out more about the circumstances all around what happened with Jack and what happened with how she got with Miguel to kind of add up to why is Rebecca the way she is now? Because she okay. isn't, the way she is now isn't even a woman I think Jack would fall in love with. No. So then it's like, hang on, you know, what exactly happened? And I think we're going to learn tons about that. You know, well, I remember the pilot and like, you know, their tradition that I can't remember the exact nature of the tradition. I'm pretty sure it was sexual, though. And and but she was pregnant at the time. And it was, like, they do these the birthday dance on their birthday. And uh, it was like a yes. sex tease kind of thing. But she was pregnant with triplets. Yeah. So she was gigantic. So she just kind of like hooked the bra across the front of her, but it like did nothing fit. Like she couldn't do anything with it. So, you know, since I've only seen the pilot in a couple random episodes, I, I think of Rebecca as this kind of playful uh, person, you know? Mm -hmm. So to see how she winds up is, is, is uh, like you said, it's going to, I need to see more to see I, how you're she gets in the from same A boat as everybody though, because season one, doesn't reveal, as far as I'm concerned, how exactly she got to where she is now. And this season, a lot of people have said, you know, has turned much darker. You know, we're really starting to see a lot of the ugly sides of this family. The first season had a lot of hopefulness and a lot of like changes for the good, you know, um, having Kate trying to kind of pick herself up and say, you know what, I'm going to get a handle on my weight loss. And she meets Toby and everything really starts kind of going pretty strong, you know, mm -hmm. and even same with Kevin, he was stuck in this Manny job and he kind of turns it around. I was like, you know what, I can do more than this. I can be more than, there's a lot of hopefulness. Randall's in a really, really tense job the whole time. And by the end he realizes like, I, I can be more than this. I've been successful. I don't have to like be in this rat race kind of mentality all the time. And so there's a lot of change, but Rebecca is 
a little bit of an opposite. Like we've saw her so many of the flashbacks in season one where she was this really playful person. And now season two, we're seeing like a lot of this darker kind of side for all the characters. A lot of things are being revealed. Let's reveal some more about who. Let's talk about Randall and Daisha. All right. So this week, Randall's dream comes true, right? And he... And he and Beth take on a, a foster child in need of a safe place to stay. What an interesting and provocative way that they shot Deja coming into the home because they shot it with the camera behind her head. And, you know, she was sort of looking around, but you couldn't see her face at all. And all the sounds were coming through like it was underwater, like everybody was mouthing these words and you could hear most of them but not all of them i thought it was a really cool way to show her pov while also keeping it very personal to her by keeping her head in the in the frame instead of just showing you know a camera looking at it from her perspective or something like that which would have been interesting but impersonal uh here we get reminded in every shot that they did this and of what she this person is going through you know i thought it was great and i appreciated that randall really struggling with this i mean he was so excited and so happy to have her and he kept you know prepping all, all the rest of the family members like remember say your name multiple times so she remembers on the tour and and this type of thing and i just think that the realization that like no this is real and this is a lot more intense than you thought. Um, the part where he goes, you know, I don't think she's okay. And the caseworker's like, she's most definitely not okay. That was Kitty from that 70s show, right? Yes. Okay. Which makes me think that the caseworker must come back in more because that's too big of an actress to play a role that lasted like five sentences. Right. <laughs> so I feel like maybe she's going to come back into the scene later on with Daisha. Or maybe with another child. I don't know. So, so far, Deja is fitting that problem child foster kid trope that we've seen elsewhere. And But I felt like I liked how they did it. Because when Beth found the cigarettes in her bag, we all assumed that it did just fit that cliche. Like, oh, of course she's going to be like a bad kid. But for then to it be revealed that, no, these were her mom's cigarettes and she just wanted to have them for her mom when her mom picked her up, that's actually not a bad kid. Maybe it was not the best item to choose, but she was trying to bring a piece of comfort for her mom to have something to give her, like a present, when she saw her next. And so for that, it's like, okay, that's not actually a bad kid at all. But as a father... Of You know, with my own kids in the house, I, I would look at her and say, but she seems to come from a place where if something makes you angry, you need to act out as strong as you can to let everybody know that you're angry because that's how you'll survive the situation. Yeah. When Randall walked in that room and she recoiled the way she did. Oh, boy. I mean, it let you know that, yeah, it was a very high stakes game in Daisha's family where you you're going to yell bitch and they're going to probably beat you and it's going to get terrible real fast. Mm -hmm. 
What did you think about how Beth was handling everything? How she put the girls in the bedroom together and turned on the baby monitor and all that? I respected her professionalism. It was uh, a thing of beauty. <laughs> I know. Don't you kind of love Beth? Like, isn't she kind of like the cool head and like the one who's like, you know, we're only three hours in, Randall, <laughs> you know, and you're kind of already freaking out. Beth is a character that I feel like we would love to get to see more about. I, I understand that we may, or at least I'm hearing a lot of fan chatter, that we'd really like to know where did Beth come from? What What's her family like? Where did, you know, what's her point of view and everything? And I think that we might expand into more things like that. And I hope we do because Beth is such a cool character that a lot of people, I think a lot of men would want to marry and a lot of women want to be, you know? It would be interesting to see the show expand their mythology to include maybe flashbacks that show Beth or show Miguel even or you know these side characters and they have a little bit so like in season one we had this one like offshoot flashback where we saw that firefighter go home and we saw his wife and we saw what was going on in his family and it was kind of like what 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 was going on here which makes a lot of the fan people say you know boy I wonder if that firefighter is going to come back around and same with the doctor who delivered the triplets we learned more about his background and knew more about his family and so it did expand a little bit more on these periphery characters but not on anybody more close to the family. Like we haven't had this really deep dive on Toby or Beth. And so I'd like to see more about what's going on in their worlds. Cause I think, you know, everybody's intrigued to know where did you come from? What patterns are you repeating? Well, the, and I mean, if they are shaping up to tell us the entire mystery of the first season by the end of this season, then if there's, I mean, a lot of shows they plan to end at a certain point, but most shows say we're going to go until they tell us to stop. So you know? let me give you some input that I, I've heard so far. I've heard five to seven seasons is their goal. They've already been okayed for three, so they've, they were already greenlit. When someone suggested that his death would be the finale of this season, I saw some hesitation in all of the interviews I read, meaning I don't think we should bank that it's going to come in the finale. It may come next week. Like it's one of those things where they're very purposely not trying to play by the rules where there's going to be, of course, the finale would be Jack's death, right? Yeah. Of course it would be, but it may not be. It may come in episode seven or something. Well, it just seemed like they were using the like kind of like that Breaking Bad model, you know, where they they start the season and they sprinkle in like remember the imagery of the of that screwed up looking bear floating in the pool mm -hmm. that just kept coming back and coming back. And finally, after you watch the entire season, you see how did that bear wind up in the pool? Yeah, you know? but that's the thing. But that's so formulaic to say we're going to give you the mystery at the beginning. We're going to sprinkle it out throughout and we'll tell you what happened in the finale. And what I'm saying is. What I saw was they were saying, we're not formulaic and we're not going to do it the way you expect it. The other thing that I saw was they said the way that Jack is going to die is something that's never been done on TV before. I have no idea what that could possibly mean because I feel like in all of television... Oh, it's yeah. going to be a way that we've never seen before. And we watch a lot of TV. We have. but And we have a lot of TV knowledge in our heads. So even if it wasn't series that we watched, I know who shot JR. I know what went on, you know, in different seasons of different shows that we never even saw. We weren't even old enough to see. But the idea that they hit something that no one's ever done before is wild to me. So I think 
again, there's a lot of people trying to guess and follow the the clues, but I think that it's one of those things that for sure in the first season, they were absolutely leading us to a car crash, undoubtedly, and we all saw thought we would know by the finale. There was no reason why we wouldn't know in the finale. But no, we didn't. And now more information's come out and it's getting darker and darker and darker. And so now it's like, whoa, what is this? The latest theory out there that I've seen is suicide. And the one right before that is the washing machine theory. And it could be the washing machine theory, the house burned down and Jack commits suicide. Like the washing machine theory could still be correct and burn down the house and still not be the reason why Jack died. Yeah. And I think that that is very plausible because they said that the fire was directly related to his death, but they use very spe- like specific wording. They don't say he died in the fire. They say it was a direct cause. So mm. if his guilt of the fire made him commit suicide, you know, here's one to throw out. What if he thought Kevin burned in that fire because they couldn't find him and he went and killed himself? Mm. Who knows? You know, anything could happen. Lots and lots and lots to think about on that one. But let's talk about Randall a little bit more and Deja and where we got there. I loved the flashback that we had with William and Annie on the stairs, how it paralleled the conversation with Deja with the girls, how she's like, how does this house work? And went through everything. I loved when they said mom's in charge. And, uh, you know, and they were like, what happens if you get in trouble? Well, you have to talk for a million years and you lose iPad privileges. That was relatable. (laughs) Our kids would say the exact same thing. That is exactly what our children would say. And then when she's like, this house is crazy. Then they flip over to William and he like is like, how do you turn the bathroom lights on? And all that stuff. He's like, this house is crazy. There was so many cute moments in that. I think that I know you're going to go back and watch season one. And for anyone who's listening who hasn't, go back. Because even though William is a character who is no longer living. There's so much going on with him. And there are so many things that were learned through William's presence in that house that it was like, you'd be missing out a lot if you didn't know his story. So what did you feel about the fact that Randall decides to tell Daisha this entire story? He decided to tell her two things. One thing was very inspirational and was a good thing to say, to kind of say, uh, you know, I don't understand exactly your deal, but you know, I had my own deal and, and I can, I can, I can understand deals in general, you know? And I think he should have just taken the win at that point, you know? I do too. Moving on and saying, oh, by the way, it's probably so that your mom's never coming to get you is we needed to get further into our relationship with Deja before that was a safe thing to, to bring up. I agree because obviously the woman hasn't been on trial yet. Not enough time has gone by. You don't really know what's going to happen. So it wasn't even appropriate to say this is what's going to happen. Your mom's not going to come get you anytime soon when you don't actually know that. It's not actually fact. It, it is likely and I understand that. But I think you would hang on to that hope and say we're going to be here as long as you need us to be. And, you know, when your mom can come get you, we will all be happy, you know? But I wouldn't I wouldn't have even been like, but it's going to be a really long time and she may never come. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you could just skip it. Skip it on that completely. Yeah. Mis- I think misstep on Randall's part. For sure. Yeah. And made me sad that she broke the, the 
the pictures that of the family. Why do you think he he insisted that Beth let her go? Was it just kind of understanding what she was feeling or recognizing that he messed up just now and and that he'll need to repair the damage? At some Maybe point? a little bit of both. Maybe like the you know it's it you know between with you and I when we're talking to the kids if one of us misstep with the kids it's pretty much up to the one who did the misstepping to go fix it and you really don't want the other one to go try to smooth things over or something because it seems a little undermining right to to kind of act like you need to be the the peacekeeper no i'd rather you go do it for me you're a scene speaking of maybe sharing things that kind of were not the right timing for how did you look at this story with kevin kate and sly stallone I mean, he wasn't wrong, per se, in his assessment that Kate having told Sylvester Stallone about their dad resulted in this moment of emotional impact that Kevin couldn't handle prior to his scene with Stallone, and it screwed him up, you know? So he wasn't wrong in saying, hey, something you did messed me up. Yes. However, the entire exchange, though, is ultimately selfish in a, in a, in a way that... You know, if you had to do it over again, you'd like to think that Kevin would be like, ah, I hated that I acted like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I And I think that, you know, it was so special that they got sliced alone to be there because, you know, he has that really personal relationship to Milo, who plays Jack. And um, in case you guys don't know, Milo played Rocky's son in... In Rocky Balboa. That whole relationship came from Milo and Sylvester's son had been friends growing up. So they knew each other from a long time ago. And in fact, Sylvester Stallone's son played his actual son in a Rocky movie in the 80s. And then Milo played his son in the most recent Rocky movie. He looks so much like him and he talks so much like him. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, when when, when Stallone was was talking about how special his family time was, it's it was very meta because there's a good chance Milo could have been there for some of that stuff. And the fact that his real life son is dead is really like, oh, that's so sad because they were they were best friends. You yeah. Know? There was so much, like you said, meta. There's so meta when he's like sitting there saying like, you know, there's no such thing as a long time ago. There's only memories that mean something and memories that don't. And you could tell like Sly himself was like having a moment there thinking about his own kids. I thought that was all very real, you know, and mm -hmm. it felt very real. I even feel like this is a funny thing, but having Ron Howard on set and being there had this funny extra like nostalgic just cloud over the entire portion of Kevin's story because he is so nostalgic for all of us. I mean, mm -hmm. his face is the memory of so many moments for all of us. I do think of him as Opie. I do think of him as Richie Cunningham. I do think of him as the director of many of the movies that I've watched over the years. So for me, having him on set it are memories that mean something to I me. I think of him as the director of the upcoming Han Solo movie. That's that's something that's a that's a memory that's going to mean something to you, right? It's gonna. It's gonna. It already kind of does. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. were to pass away tomorrow, we would say he already had the memory of that Star Wars <laughs> movie coming out for sure. So a lot of people were concerned that Sly would be a distraction that we he would take us out of the story because he's such a well-known actor and you know we we might not be able to be thinking about Kate and Kevin and Jack. Did you feel that way or did you feel like he added an awesome layer? 
I think uh, the very first scene when Kevin does the awkward Rocky impression and he catches him, that felt, you know, a little forced and cliche and all that. But the way that he ended it with the, I'm going to go check out that frittata situation, that humanized him and made it be like, okay, this, he's not, he's not there acting as himself. He's there as himself. And it, it worked a lot better after that, you know? Right. And of course, everything we already mentioned about why he's such a great fit it, it makes you cry when he was like, bring your father down and I'll take pictures with him here on the set. I mean, we all know Milo's still alive, right? <laughs> but there's like a part in your belly that you're like, he can't slide. He's dead. You know, it feels so terrible. And it's how what an amazing show to actually make you feel that invested in a character who, again, the actor's alive. Right. Nothing's wrong with him. But yet we are just like all the feels, right, about this. For sure. For sure. The muffed scenes with Sly and the yeah. way that he has been directed to look at Sly as your father. Think of him as your father and you need to he, – he's your father figure and all this. I really was interested in how Kevin – was struggling with his dad's story and even having his father be mentioned at all. Do you think Kate had any business really delving into that? Business as twin? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if she doesn't, no one does. So I have a question on that because you just said it. So we have multiples. Mm -hmm. We have twins. We have friends who have triplets. If you lose a triplet, I do not believe you start calling them twins. So there was a third baby. There was Kyle and he died. So is it right that they call themselves twins? Depends. Was he born alive? I uh, believe yes. I mean, I, I mean, I don't exactly remember. It was like maybe stillborn, but but I mean, he was I guess he wasn't technically named because then they named Randall Kyle, but it, but it was full term and everything. So, I mean, is it right, though, to just, like, erase him? There's been a lot of debate about that. I think it's okay. I think it's okay, really. I mean, we know people that have lost children just a few days into their lives, right? And But when you talk to them later, they usually give their child number to be the living number, right? Well, okay. So, I'd like to kind of throw that out to our listeners. If you are somebody who knows anyone who has multiples... Or a, a multiple yourself, maybe you're a twin who, who lost your twin. Do you consider yourself a twin? Do you consider yourself still a triplet if you've lost uh, one member of the group? I, I would like to know that because they really rest heavily on this idea of like twin fight and twin makeup. And they talk a lot about twin, twin, twin. And so I, I sort of feel a little bit curious of how people feel about that. I've seen a lot of commentary both ways. If I was them, I'd do the same thing. We had a ton of flashbacks during the Kevin, Kate conversation about dad that included Jack giving Kevin his necklace that he wore all first season and also Kate like you mentioned finding Kevin in the car what do you make of Jack turning over that necklace that very personal belonging I don't know the significance of the necklace and I so I don't have the background but I can say that fathers handing things down to sons usually is meant to carry some emotional weight that may even include like a rite of passage type element, you know, like, okay, I think that I think that you've done most of your childhood up to now. So I think you're ready to start doing man stuff. And this is going to be our, our passing of the torch to be like, okay, now 
man stuff for you. Okay. Also, he was uh, 17, so he was giving it to him when he had hurt his knee. We think that that knee was hurt in a football injury. Not totally clear. It's re-hurt in the Sly Stallone, go and try to save your father. If you don't save your father, he's going to die. Which I think that that's got to be exactly what's going to happen in the flashback. Football makes sense because, I mean, he's got the cast and Rebecca's wearing the Steelers jersey, which I know anyone can pull on anything at any time. But, you know, if if, just think about it, she'd probably be wearing a Steelers jersey if if she was watching a game, right? Or something. Yes. So that means it's football season and that cast is new. So there you go. Yep. I agree with you. Also, you should know that Jack is a big Steelers fan and they always watch the football game at the bar. Oh. And so we kind of know then it's probably a Sunday that he dies Hmm. because it's football Sunday day and she's wearing her shirt. So we can start narrowing down the mystery here. Um, Forever the mystery is going to be for me too, why Kate has the urn. And when at the very end there, she goes, she talks to the urn and says, he's just like you. And Kevin pops the pill. Boy, now that could be a complete red herring. Maybe it's like a Tylenol and it's nothing. But do you think we're going down the path of addiction with Kevin? For sure. Um, When they they didn't focus in on the knee, but what they showed of the knee was this swollen, misshapen mess, you know, and he is not a big star, you know, he's just an actor. And so when just an actor gets hurt early on in an action movie, they often say, we, we can't wait. We have to give, hire somebody else. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, I think that that is likely to happen. And they showed scenes for next week that Kevin's saying he's going to have surgery and they show him having surgery. So I can't imagine what that's going to look like. Um, what well, we've seen how knee surgery goes. Uh, it takes a while stuff. To, yeah. to literally get back on your feet. It does. It absolutely does. So what do you think about starting first scenes for next week? Do you think Deja is going to turn a corner right away or are we going to have like a bunch of problems? Yeah, I think it's going to continue to be problems because she we've seen her go off twice in one episode. You know, yep. when they when they try to send her to school and yeah. s- someone cuts in line or something like that, she's going to go all like, you know, prison women on her and and. <laughs> cause a riot i definitely saw that there was some issue with her not washing her hair in the in a scene for next week and so it looks like some other girl's gonna pick on her about that oh you don't pick on girls hair i can i'm a hair girl you don't you don't go there that's not gonna go well for you i'm gonna you're gonna have to hold me back from the girl in the bowling alley if she starts talking shit about my hair so very much looking forward to next week i think that um this season overall does feel darker and heavier. And I know for you who who have just jumped into season two, you're really getting a much different look than those of us who were sort of what, what I'm going to say was like a easy breezier. Still a lot of there was a lot of information given and a lot of stuff happening, but there was a lot more good times, too, that were happening that are kind of going downhill in season two. Yeah, well. I'm okay with the bleak. I mean, we watched the leftovers. We know what the bleak is. Uh, so uh, maybe I do need to go back and see the first season for sure. Cause um, we're going to be traveling soon. So I think I might just slap a headset on that guy on the airplane and oh, have think? him, have him catch up on a couple of episodes y'all. Oh. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks a lot.
Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.